Welcome back to Garage Talk. As always, I'm Conrad. Let's go. I'm Ted. It's time to rock and roll. Okay, Conrad, we have a state championship basketball coach here today. I know. Isn't that pretty cool? It's awesome. Man, you you, uh, you really attract them, don't you, Ted? I don't know that it's me. <laughs> today we have Oak Hills basketball coach, boys basketball coach, Kevin Renbarger. How are we doing, coach? Uh, we're doing good. I don't think this will be as intellectual as the last one I listened to. I heard your AD <laughs> conversation with... Uh, um, Mrs. Sunwall's AD, and uh-huh. that, that was quite in depth. So yes. this will be a little bit lighter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm it, not nearly that smart. Oh, me either. Uh, but it, it was very deep and, and thought provoking. Yes, it was. Took some notes, actually. Yeah, I did too. <laughs> I feel like you know he, he could lecture on that and, and like uh, like a TED talk. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would listen. I would too. Oh yeah, I would too. So. Would you do us all a favor and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, born and raised in Converse, Indiana. Um, I'm an Oak Hill grad, graduated in 1990. Went to Ball State University. Um, did my student teaching at Kokomo High School. Was fortunate enough to do it under a guy by the name of Mike McCroskey, who had a couple of state championships on the girl side over there at Kokomo. And so that got me into basketball to begin with. Um, Professionally, spent 10 years at the Marion Community School System. I was teaching alternative programs over there. Um, and then 19 years ago, got on at Oak Hill. Uh, I've been at Oak Hill in a basketball um, area for 29 years. Wow. I started in uh, the 95-96 season with Tom Johnson. Had 10 years at doing all kinds of things, from elementary basketball to JV basketball, and then got the job in 2005. I've uh, been married for 29 years to my wife, Shelly. We have two kids. Um, Braden is 25 and just started his first teaching day at Columbus East High School. Well, he'll be a ninth-grade PE teacher and uh, varsity assistant basketball coach. He's been my varsity assistant for the last two or three years. And then I have a daughter, Ashlyn, who is a vet tech or a vet, a vet assistant in Lafayette. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's uh, quite a... A background right there. Yeah, well, you when, know what? When you're as old as some of us are here, <laughs> you develop a long background. So is there a correlation between the years you've been coaching and how long you've been married? <laughs> the, the only correlation there is that she's still with me after 30 years of coaching. So. Okay, all right, all right. Yeah. So with, with everything that you've experienced in those 29 years, have you came up with a Renbarger definition of success? Um, be adjustable. Um, don't be rigid. I think that would be the biggest thing. Okay. People change, and this is a people business. More than anything mm-hmm. else, you know, X's and O's, every coach will come in here and tell you, you know, that they're reinventing the wheel, but they're not. We're, we're all, we all steal off of everybody else. Mm-hmm. We're, we're great thieves, but... Um, coaching is a people business, and if there's anything that's changed probably the most in the last 19 years is how you handle kids, how you yep. must relate to kids, uh, those kinds of things. So you can't be rigid in the way that you do things, or you'll, you know, you won't last. You'll you'll time out. Eventually, what will happen is your style will time out, and they'll find somebody else mm-hmm. who who can who can relate. So the kids from 2005 are way different than the kids in. I think the way that you have to handle them is different. Okay. Um, you know, when I, when I first started, you know, you go into interviews, and mainly these were teaching interviews, they'd ask you, is it, is it important to be liked? As a teacher, is it important to be liked? And I think in 2005, you know, when I graduated from Ball State in 1995, the answer was really, no, not really. It's, it's important to be respected. Mm-hmm. Um, kids have to respect you. But I think there's a large element today where kids, there has to be a like there. Uh, kids have to be able to relate to you. You have to, you have to build relationships. You have to do those things. That, 
not to say that you didn't want to do those things 10 years ago or 15 mm-hmm. years ago or 20 years ago. You do. You always do. You want to have those long-lasting relationships. You want to be invited to weddings and, and reunions and those kinds of That's why you get into the business. But I think uh, more and more as years go by, it's, it's more about that relational piece and more about them having some kind of enjoyment out of the game. Okay, so there's some kind of psychology to it. I don't think there's any doubt about that, any doubt at all. Um, you know, like I said, uh, a lot of kids determine whether they come out for basketball at Oak Hill, you know, primarily based on how fun it is. Um, you know, there used to be a lot of other factors with basketball, and, and fun may have been way down at the bottom of the list, mm-hmm. but I'm not so sure that it is, it is now. Uh, and it is an extracurricular activity. You should have fun. You mm-hmm. should enjoy it. Um, but the way they approach uh, with commitment, there has to be, uh, you know, more of an enjoyment factor probably than there was 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, kids nowadays, they have to really be into it. Yeah, they do. They do. And, you know, in, in their defense, basketball is not an easy sport. Um, it, it takes a, If you're going to be really good at it, it takes a tremendous time mm-hmm. commitment. There are some sports, and I'm not going to name any sports because i got to go back to school on Tuesday. And I don't want to see anybody <laughs> get after me. But there are some sports where you can pick up and put down. Basketball is kind of like golf. You know, you go out and golf. Uh, around and then don't pick the clubs back up and then try it again six months from now and expect to be any good at it. You know, you're got those clubs are going to be in the mm-hmm. water somewhere. Uh, basketball is the same way. You've got to put in the time and the effort constantly and consistently to do that. So there's got to be that drive and there's got to be that uh, you know a why behind it for for kids today. Is you know why why am I doing this? What's what's the enjoyment that I'm getting out of this? What's uh, what's the end game so to speak? Yeah. yeah. So. On the teaching side, is, is it the same way now with yeah. your students? Yeah. Um, I, I've, I feel like it's always been that way in regards to education because in basketball, you know, it's an extracurricular activity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, by and large, kids are there because they want to be there. They're there because they have, you know, talents and gifts in that area. You don't get to pick and choose in the classroom. And I teach eighth grade history, so those are... You know, that's a different animal altogether. You've got a group of kids there who, you know, they're old enough to know better but don't necessarily know better yeah. a lot. So, yeah. Um, I was one of them. <laughs> we all were. Uh, you know, it, jun- teaching junior high kids to get them involved in history, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, it, a lot of it is based on whether they can see the use in me as a teacher, not right. necessarily the use in understanding what George Washington was all yeah. about. If they can relate to me as a teacher in the classroom, then they'll take an interest in trying to figure out what is so passionate about George Washington that the teacher likes. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's what we try to do, at least what I try to do on a daily basis, is make it, make it passionate, fun, get in and get a relational piece going with the kids uh, so they can kind of see the same enjoyment out of history that I do. I always loved history. Well, I did, Civil too. Civil War. That was one of my favorites. II. Yeah, those were my favorite classes. How do you make that fun? Well, again, for me, it's I've always felt that you have to figure out a way to relate that to kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are there things that they're going through today yeah. that they see today that can relate to? Wow, I never, I never thought of it that way. That's the way they, you know, this is the way we do it today, and this is the way they did it. Mm-hmm. That's, I've never thought of that. That's neat. That's interesting. Uh, there are always stories to tell about history class, too, you know, mm-hmm. things about George Washington. You can talk about his fake teeth, and, and they'll get interested. <laughs> yeah. You know, there are little things yeah. that they find that are kind of neat to 13 and 14-year-old girls, but mainly boys, yeah. um, that uh, will, will kind of draw them in. So, you know, I, again, it, it, a lot of it comes down to just uh, building relationships and the kind of activities that you do in the classroom. You know, you talk about has education changed you know, we've, we've all had teachers, especially in social studies, they'll give you notes, and then you take tests, and you look up, and you write your notes down off of the screen over, on the overhead. Those days are gone. Those days are long mm-hmm. gone. And so... You might as well email those notes. Yeah, that's though. right. That's right. Um, yeah. And they're not going to learn anything from them anyways. Right. And they're writing notes down or typing them now down in their Chromebook. They're not gaining any mm-hmm. information from that. So you've got to figure out ways to, you know, again, engage. And, and the days of note-taking are long gone. So have you taken some of 
some of the lessons, no pun intended, uh, from teaching and applied that to your coaching style? Yeah. Again, I, all of those kids, the really good thing about being where I'm at and where I've been for 19 years, I've been in the junior high for 19 years. Now, it has a downside in that, you know, as an example, Landon Beagle from last year or Ty Fagan from this year, if I need to get a hold of him in the high school and tell him something or get him a message or do something like that, it's relatively – it's a little bit more challenging. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, I had Landon Beagle for a full year as an eighth-grade student. I had Ty Fagan, um, you know, as a full-year student. So building and nurturing those relationships now as an eighth-grade student helps when they're in junior high or when they're, you know, freshman, JV, and even high school. There's a little bit of a sense of, you know, looking forward to having me as a, as a coach mm-hmm. at the varsity level until they, until they have me and understand what I'm really about. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you always – if you're a good teacher, you're usually a competitive coach. It, it, that's, they come hand in hand. And so the, 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 you hear this all the time. It's a coaching, you know, a coachism or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's an extension of the classroom. They're your students. Uh, you handle them a lot the same way that you do with kids in your class. And so, um, you know, some of the same st- teaching strategies that you would use in the classroom you have to use on the basketball floor as well. Ted? Well, you know, I like what you said about the commitment that, like, basketball players have to make now. Like I said, we know I'm old, so we didn't have all this stuff you have nowadays. The AAU's big. And then Real big. The super hoops. I mean, that these kids have got stuff that they can do during the summer. But like you said, once that's over and you know, you're going into fall sports, what are they doing on their own? Right, right. I've always heard that saying, it's not what you do in front of the coach, it's what you do by yourself. Yeah, and, you know, we try to have that. Are you going to get me off on a rant? On a <laughs> no, go here, ahead, go ahead. <laughs> you know, we struggle – with um, my athletic director and I talk about this all the time. He's brought this up. This is not my thing. This is this is Ryan's thing, and he's absolutely right. We struggle with leadership from mm-hmm. time to time on our team. And you think about when we were old or when we were kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're playing pickup games at the Swayze Park or Gas City Park. Mm-hmm. Somebody, you know, the Fred Hodson. He had right. a couple. He's calling people. Mm-hmm. You know, in our community, it was you know Barry Blair was calling people. Right. And, uh, you know, you got over on that court and you played or Barry would knock you off the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, we as adults are the ones that are doing that now. Mm-hmm. You know, we uh, get everything organized for yep. kids. And that take a, takes away from some of the leadership qualities that True. were built when we were kids. You know, way back in the mm-hmm. old days when everything was black and white. But, um, you know, they have, a lot, they have a lot going on during the summertime. Yep. A lot. Mm-hmm. Um, our kids, as it is, I'm sure, over here at Mississinawa, they're more busy in the month of June than they are at any point during the course of the year because oh, yeah. the rules are there are no rules. Mm-hmm. Um, football has some restrictions on what they do, um, but you know, a kid could be out at Oak Hill four days a week, mm-hmm. five days a week for hours right. working on football, baseball, and basketball. Mm-hmm. And so, you know... We do put in a, a considerable amount of time during that time period. We do in July, and we do want them. You know, we we have you know shot records that we share with all of them. We want them to get shots up when mm-hmm. nobody's looking, when nobody's around. But you also want to be cognizant of the fact that they are kids. Right. That's to me the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. The biggest change in the off season mm-hmm. is this idea that are we going to let kids be kids? Right. You know, and, and everybody is pushing, pushing, and pushing mm-hmm. in different directions, and so. Um, you know, the other piece of that is, too, I want our kids to – I want them to shoot. I want them to get shots up. I want them to find time to do that, and we're constantly talking about that. But I also want them to play football. Mm-hmm. I want them to play baseball. I want them to run track. And to me, that's equally as important as getting, you know, 100 shots up right. every other day during the month of September. That was what I was going to ask next. You know, are you, are you a 2-3 sport proponent? And that's – well, but according to what I've looked up, you participated in four sports in high school. Yeah, I dabbled. I wasn't. What was your GPA? I, got, <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't good in much of anything, but I did. I did a lot. Um, you know, I I had parents too who were, you know, you got 
you got a choice. You can play or right. you can go get a job. Right. And yep. um, playing sports sounded a lot more fun to me <laughs> than going out and trying to get a job at McDonald's or right. something. Right. So I ran a little bit of cross country, wasn't any good at it. Um, played basketball for a couple of years, swam for a couple of years. Um, I was on. I was actually on the semi-state team uh, that went in '88 mm-hmm. uh, in baseball. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, I average at best at any one of those. What kind of baseball player were you? Uh, you know, I was a pretty good fielder. Okay. I made contact, but my average was awful, just yeah. awful. I didn't strike out much, but I didn't hit it very far. Um, my only claim to fame is that we had a starting pitcher in 88 kid by the name of uh, Chris Blair. Mm-hmm. And when he pitched, I didn't play. I was a sophomore on that team. And back then you could only pitch 10 innings, right. what, every 48 hours, 70, something mm-hmm. like that. It was 72 hours or something like that. So you get into the tournament and you've got two games on one day. He would pitch that opening game like I can remember at Blackford. He pitched the opening game seven innings. So then we would have to bring somebody else in, Brad Lemons, we would bring in for four innings, and that four-inning period, I would be out in the field mm-hmm. playing. Now, he'd DH for me. There's no way they were putting me <laughs> at the plate to hit anything. And so I would, D, or I would play right field, then DH. But then when Chris came back in, Lemons would go back out into right. Okay. So I was, <clears throat> like I said, I, I was pretty quick. I know it's kind of looking yeah. at my physique. It's hard to tell. I played center field. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Didn't make a ton of errors. Uh, played pretty good defense and could put the ball, could put the bat on the ball, but it just didn't go anywhere. <laughs> well, I mean, you had fun doing it, right? No doubt, no doubt. Uh, every one of the sports that I enjoyed or I did, I enjoyed. I, I know it's hard to say that you enjoy cross country, but yeah. you know it was. It was a lot of fun, and I was on some very, very good cross country teams. So I don't think you have to be like the superstar to enjoy playing sports uh, you know even being a role player th- there's there's a spot for being a role player and there's and I always cheer I like the scrappy kid the kid that just crashing the boards and you know trying to poke the ball out and get a couple steals and and maybe get six minutes out of the game and go to the bench and not complain yeah just you got to be a superstar. If you're going to have fun, you got to be a superstar in your role, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yeah, you know, some role. of us, yep. some of us are fortunate enough and have been given the God-given talents to be a Landon Beagle mm-hmm. or Landon Swanner, mm-hmm. uh, but not everybody. Right. Um, a quick, I tell you, I give you a great example, a quick story, and this has to do with my son. Believe it or not, he didn't play very much. He was I, I coached him. Mm-hmm. He was on the two sixteen team. We lost in the championship game of the regional to Lapel on a last second shot. Lapel. Lapel, yeah, uh, a lot of stories there too. <laughs> anyways, we're getting trounced uh, early in that game. Actually, it was late in that game. It was late in the third quarter. We're getting hammered pretty good. We're down fifteen, and I call a timeout. And my coaches and I go out away from the uh, the bench, and we're talking about an adjustment, talking about whether I'm going to go in there and you know light the paint on fire or what. You know, what are we going to do? And I am just hearing screaming coming from the bench. And I'm like, what in the heck is going on? And I turn around, and a kid that never plays. I mean, the last time that he played would have been senior night, and we got him on because he was a senior. He probably averaged on the season less than two minutes a game. Mm-hmm. kid by the name of Braden Rimbarger was lighting his team up. Wow. Uh, you know, getting after them. And that is nothing more than just starring in your role. His mm-hmm. role was to be a great teammate to be a great cheerleader, to be an extension of what we want on the bench mm-hmm. with his teammates. Yep. You know, you've got kids who were there, they were playing, and they were not playing up to the standards that we wanted them to play. And here you've got a kid that never plays getting into them. Mm-hmm. So, and we had three or four kids on that team that did that every day. And that's they, I think, would tell you. One of them, Cody White, is a tremendous golfer. Mm-hmm. He wins – you know, he's won the amateur here several years in right. a row, went to college to play uh, golf at St. Francis, and I don't think he would tell you that he would exchange any second of the time that he had playing basketball. Right. Uh, he loved it and hardly ever played. And so, again, I think it's about relishing and embracing your role 
um, not getting caught up in all of the other stuff, mm-hmm. including the noise that surrounds whether you're playing or not. Um, and understand that it is, I mean, it is an extracurricular activity. You mm-hmm. are out there to have fun. And so if you will embrace what it is that you're being asked to do, uh, it makes it a whole heck of a lot more fun, in my opinion. Those are, those are the kids that are fun to watch. And they're oh, fun yeah. to coach. Oh, definitely. They're yes. fun to coach. Now, how about I, I want to bring up, you know, this new free throw rule we're starting this year. What's your thoughts on that? I don't know. I don't know. Until you actually experience yeah, I'm it, Yeah, I'm going right? to have to do some research. I told my assistant coaches, I want to sit down with, uh, you had Whaley on, I think, didn't you, mm-hmm. Ethan Whaley? Yeah, yeah. i got I got to get a hold of him. He's been through it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've read some things that there's some strategies to it and some different things, but we're going to have to see. Um, I, you know, I, it, it will pick up the pace of the game because right. you're not shooting free throws as much. I'm not. I don't know if I buy the whole idea that it, that we did it to protect kids and right. keep them from getting That's injured. Um, I'm shocked that that came about as quickly as it did. I didn't hear anything through the IBCA mm-hmm. that that this was coming down the pipeline at all. I thought for sure if we were going to have a major change in the rule, it was going to be a shot clock. Um, but you know, we'll just we'll have to get into it, I guess, to see how it goes. I don't. I want to, like I said, I want to talk to some college coaches who have mm-hmm. been through it to see yeah. what advantages we can take of it. Um, you know, does it mean that teams are going to press more? Does it right. te- mean that teams aren't going to are going to sit back more? I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, you've watched our games. We we play a matchup zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've gone halves without fouling. So, right. you know, what does that mean when you're down ten? You know, right? Got yeah. Mississippi at home this year, and they're kicking the crap out of us, and we have to make up time mm-hmm. and points. What are you going to do? So, well, I guess we'll just have to see. So, this is speculation. Do you foresee a shot clock coming? I hope not. Right? I do <laughs> I, for so many different reasons. I hope not. Um, I'm a traditionalist. I wasn't for class basketball, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but I'm done whining about that. It's ne- we're never going back. Nope. Um, I don't I, it's going to cause a lot of things that I don't think people understand first off what a what a great opportunity in Indiana high school basketball if you've got a team that can actually do it we've not had very many teams that could do this we have people all the time that say well you're so undermanned like you know the last Mississippi group that came through was really really good with Swanner and McClung and all those mm-hmm. guys we had a couple of teams that we couldn't we didn't have any business being on the floor with them so we'd, I'd have assistant coaches or somebody else who said, why don't you hold the ball? Well, first off, you have to be skilled enough to hold the ball. Right. You know, against yep. a more athletic, and, and you know, that's, a, that's something to do is to hold the ball when you can't. But, you know, to be able to be in a position to think about that, you know, when you are not the most talented basketball team on the floor, I think that's kind of neat to begin with. Um, I think it'll put a lot of people in a position. I would, I, I would consider, if I were a man-to-man team, I would consider zone against a, a 24, 35-second shot clock mm-hmm. because I don't think the skill level uh, fundamentally is where it, it used to be. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I, I don't think kids shoot and dri- – they do shoot maybe, but not dribble right, right and left as much as, as well as they used to be able to do because kids don't focus their attention in those areas anymore. And so I think it will put some – you know, I – I just think it would make for really, really bad basketball. I think it would uh, decrease the score, actually, mm-hmm. just because I think, you know, I think teams would struggle in that setting, 35, 24, whatever you want to do, to, to get shots up and get quality shots up. What is, go ahead. I'm sorry, man. No, go ahead. I'm hogging him. I got a million <laughs> questions. I got <laughs> no, but but I agree. You got you know? a state championship coach here. I know. I got a million questions. <laughs> but but like you said, you know, it's a lot of the basic fundamentals. Like you said, they're not worked on anymore. You know, I've got that problem down junior high. You know, the, all these kids want to do shoot three pointers. They don't want to work on a skip pass or I can yep. go behind my back or between my legs. I just want to go out there. and yeah, zero step. You guys are, you guys are baseball guys, right? I mean, yeah, so yeah, touch on a lot of things. Travel baseball, yeah. tra- you know, AAU basketball. They're two. They're, they're the same thing. They're mm-hmm. they're two and one right there. Yeah. Um, K 
kids are wanting to focus a lot of their time and energy on getting better by going out and playing AAU, getting on an AAU team. Um, you have to be really, really selective with an AAU coach. Um, mm-hmm. If you get with the wrong one, then you're not learning anything. You're just playing games. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we want to throw money at issues, you know, uh, getting yourself a personal trainer. And I heard uh, Matt Painter speak at a clinic last fall, and I thought he hit the nail right on the head. He, he says even at the college level, he'll have kids that will go away for the summer. They'll get onto a personal trainer, and that personal trainer will teach them a bunch of crap you know mm-hmm. that they'll never use mm-hmm. how about teaching them how to do a jump stop <laughs> you know in the middle of the right. lane yeah. playing off of two feet or playing doing something mm-hmm. that uh that is productive for their high school or even their their travel league now, right we're fortunate from the standpoint that we've got a we've got a trainer in our backyard who works pretty closely with mm-hmm. us in regards to what we want them to do so and we have a lot of kids that go out to the the, the barn cta right. mm-hmm. and uh they do a pretty good job of uh coordinating with us in regards okay mm-hmm. so you want you've got you know you've got Landon Beagle what do you want Landon Beagle to work on what do you want to be better at but uh, that's where that's the issue in my mind is is where are you focusing your attention mm-hmm. if you're focusing your attention just on travel league baseball travel basketball instead of working on your individual game mm-hmm. getting shots up like when you talk when mm-hmm. nobody's watching yep um Handling a basketball it doesn't take long to put a basketball in your hand and get better at it doing mm-hmm. dribbling drills um, but that's not fun. That's not sexy. Exactly. Getting on an AAU team and going and playing at Finch Creek or playing uh-huh. at the, you know what used to be Spice Fieldhouse up in Fort Wayne, that's sexy. Yep. That's fun. Um, but it may or may not make you better. Mm-hmm. True. Uh, we had this conversation with Allison, and just them playing a different sport and, and getting he, – he, what did he say about tennis? Tennis – Tennis helped them get their side-to-side movement mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. and it applied to basketball. And I, I felt like some things like soccer, you know, I, I would encourage other kids to go play soccer in their time away from baseball or softball. You want to stay in shape? Well, run for 90 minutes, yep. Yep. And, and you're going to be ready for the upcoming baseball or softball season. Um, really for basketball I would think you know you would want your kid to, to wrestle maybe learn how to control your body why are we not seeing uh, you know going back to the fundamentals why are we not seeing kids playing with their back to the basket anymore <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, because because that has a lot to do with controlling your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a we've got a guy who, you know, he's six seven now, and we're debating on whether he'll play with his back to the basket. I think it's just some of that is just a, a change of era and, and a focus right. on the mm-hmm. game. You turn on well, anything, even at era. the college. Yeah, <laughs> even at the college level, mm-hmm. they're starting to do that now. Where the back to the basket game, you know, you've got. Six, nine, six, ten, seven footers who are, you know, either pick and roll or face up from fifteen or from twenty feet away. Um, I, I, it's just a, that that's not coming back. I don't think the dominant post center is coming back. I think now, if you're going to be a really really good basketball team, you better have a dominant point guard. Mm-hmm. That's that's the era that we live in now. Uh, the teams that are good at our level, at the high school level. They have really good point guards. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Speedy point guards? Kids that can... Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Kids that can control the game. Okay. You know, it, you don't have to be speedy or quick necessarily to control the game. If you're somebody that can handle the basketball, Savvy. go where you want to, have that what we call basketball IQ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes a world of difference. Uh, you know, we've got... We've played teams. We've got a team on our schedule from last year that made it all the way to, what, the Final Four. Delta made it to the Final mm-hmm. Four. They had a kid who was at Blackford for a while, the Wars kid. Mm-hmm. He's their post player. He's 6'4". He's a nice post player. Right. But he's only 6'4". Mm-hmm. Um, they don't play with him in his back to the basket. Yep. But what they do have are really, really good guards, and they've got a heady point guard. Uh, the team that won at Northwood didn't have a kid. They had tall kids, but mm-hmm. they didn't have anybody that was a traditional back to the basket. Mm-hmm. 
And that's changed a lot very, very quickly. Yeah, because quick. Like my team in 218, we had the Middlesworth kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, he didn't have, I mean, he shot 43% from the three point line, and we didn't mind him shooting out there, but he was 6'8, and we wanted his butt in the post. Right. And his yeah. back was to the basket. Yeah. Um, you know, Spencer Ballinger was 6'5, and he was kind of a slasher. Uh, get to the lane guy, but we didn't mind with his back to the basket mm-hmm. either. So it's it's been a pretty big shift, and it's happened really really quickly. Uh, but if you think about the kid, the I say kids, the the players that our kids are watching, it's guard oriented, mm-hmm. it's guard dominated. Um, you know, they watch the NBA. I don't, they do, yeah. and so the only NBA kid that you can think of with his back to the basket is Embiid. Mm-hmm. You know, you, even the kid that the, that's coming out this year from France is a, you know, they're saying he's a three. He's a small, he's, yeah. a, he's seven foot, and what, seven, six. He's going to be mm-hmm. a small forward type guy. I I bet you I watched maybe five Pacer games this past season. And I'm, I'm usually real big on the finals. Like, I'll watch mm-hmm. the finals. Or if there's a, a matchup before then, I'll, I'll watch that. I found it really hard to watch. Yeah, it is. It. I don't watch it. <laughs> it really kind of depends on the team that you're watching. I, I enjoyed watching the Pacers this year, but it's because they played hard. Mm-hmm. Um, those guys are so stinking skilled that uh, I don't know if it comes too easy to them or if the regular season is just a different animal altogether. They just don't look like they're playing with the intensity. Right. Or the enthusiasm mm-hmm. that when you turn on a college basketball game oh, that man. you see, you know, if yeah, you turn it's on, way different. It is so different, um, and I don't, you know, there could be a number of reasons why, uh, being the fact that it is professional, that they're working for it, that they're making the money that they're making, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that they play eighty-two games, they're playing every other night, load management, blah blah blah. <laughs> I would rather just do away with all of it. Um, it's such an interesting topic, though, because I. It's been a while, so please forgive my memory. But I was, me and Ted had the conversation about if you went back 15 years, how many players in the NBA have played all the games? And I, I'm wanting to say it was like a, a it was a, a, a pretty high percentage. I was a little shocked. I think it was like 27% or something like that. And then in the past couple years, it was like, Four percent, and then it was like last year. It was like only four players had. I was I was a little shocked. You know, I saw. I don't know if you have you seen the unrated underrated the Steph Curry thing on Apple. Yes. That was really interesting. I really yeah. liked it. I like Steph Curry, and yeah, I like I, I actually like watching him play. The yeah. things that he can do is is absolutely amazing. But he made the comment in that that the players get a lot of the blame for the load management but in actuality it's the trainers and the medical staff and this idea that it's advanced research that you know the load management comes from i don't know modern day training and modern day you know uh education just but decrease the de- decrease the game but i you know whatever the case may be i think it has a negative effect on the uh, fan oh, viewership it's, it's yep. at least it does it's with me money mm-hmm. it's taking yeah, money yeah yeah, so, but well, it's, it's sad to see. Like I said, you know, I, mean, I don't watch the NBA either. No, I've got I've got the NBA TV channel. The only time I watch it's the summer because actually I had it on earlier and it was 1993 Charlotte Hornets yeah. New York Knicks. <laughs> Yesterday I watched the '83 Lake or the '86 Lakers Celtics finals. Yeah, it was, it was real basketball. I mean, it's yeah, you're not going through the pain. Yeah, I uh, yeah. yeah. I won't yeah. watch unless it's the Pacers. I like I like the Pacers. Yeah, I do too. So, in your twenty nine year career, what has been your crowning moment? I know you won a state championship, and I don't see the ring. No, I don't wear it very much. <laughs> I was in a drawer at home before you even came. I was like, man, I'd like to see that ring. <laughs> you should have said something. I'd have brought it. Bring home. the ring. <laughs> but is is there is there something? It's more meaningful. You know, we had a span there of about two or three years, starting with the 215 team all the way through to the 218 team. It was pretty magical. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in regards to memorable moments, that would be that would be at the top of the list. We uh, had a pretty good year in 2015. Um, we got into the tournament and had a couple of teams that were way way better than us, and we had to beat them both to win the sectional championship, and we did. Uh, we ended up beating a, man, a really, really good Manchester team on our home floor on a sectional night, championship mm-hmm. night on your own home floor. Oh, that's, yeah. that's that's a cool deal right there. And we won that in a double overtime in 216. Like I said, we got all the way to the to the uh, uh, regional championship game with the same group of kids. And that happened to be my son's group of kids. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I spent, I don't know how many years, 10 years, play, you know, helping them coach Little League flag football i was a um, coach osmond needed a junior high coach one year so i helped them with that um it was really neat just to watch those guys go through the process and then heartbreaking as well for it to finish the way that it did um you know the 217 team was really good rated you know high in the Mm -hmm. state uh we were upset by southwood um and then the following year bringing it all together in 218 it was that run right in through there was was really neat. But we've had a lot of neat moments. I've been fortunate, really, really fortunate, to have a bunch of really good kids. Uh, you know, back in the early two two thousand eight two thousand nine era, I had a team that was uh, number one in the state. Uh, we just couldn't get past Derek Elson and Tipton in mm-hmm. our sectional. So we, I, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to have and be able to make a lot of really, really great memories with a whole bunch of really neat kids and coaches i've had great tremendous coaches to work with assistant coaches to work with and uh kids to to help coach wow well certainly another highlight would have had to been 2017 when you got to coach the junior all-star team it was that's that was a you know that, that's one of those things where it's an honor for me but again you know and it sounds like coach speak but it is it, it's it's an honor for the 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 team you know, I got that because I was the IBCA coach, district coach of the right. year, mm-hmm. um, and we won a bunch of games that year. And again, it came right after that two sixteen team. Uh, we had great kids on that team. We have great assistant coaches on that team. Um, it's neat from the standpoint that some of those kids are going off and playing. You know, college major college basketball. Uh-huh. Romeo Langford was on that team. Okay, that's what I to ask you. Um, you know, uh, Aaron Henry, who played for Michigan State, I go on and on and on, the Hunter kid that played for Purdue. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a ton of – that team was extremely talented and had a lot of great kids on that team, and some of them are trying to make it in Pro Bowl now. Mm-hmm. And so just to be around that atmosphere, to, to see that different level, I mean, mm-hmm. this small school like Oak Hill, then you get to watch, you know, Romeo Langford play mm-hmm. ball. Come on now. <laughs> it was oh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. It's a neat experience. Yeah. Because I'll tell you right now, what's really cool is because it's not around the sports hotline coach of the year five times. Yeah. <laughs> Do you get a plaque for that or something? Yeah. yeah. You must have looked up my resume or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I should probably have a plaque somewhere around. Huh. You don't have like a little plaque room? No. <laughs> no. This is my plaque. Yeah, it's probably room. it was probably in Ken's house somewhere, God rest his soul. Yeah. But to, we missed that paper, I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, see that just, man. You, you talk about that. That meant more to me than anybody else because I grew up on right, the yeah. mm-hmm. on the sports hotline. Yeah. You know, there are two or three things that you'd look forward to every morning yep. or every week and one of them was going and getting the sports exactly. hotline and seeing the faces in the crowd. Uh huh. Seeing if you you know, seeing if you got mentioned in yep. some kind of a obscure clipping somewhere, or did they catch you? You know, you it just you know, and that at the time meant a whole heck of a lot, probably even more than the Chronicle. Yeah, I know, can, coach of the year. I can remember doing yeah, because you had Chronicle, you had their coach of the year a few times too. But Three you, times. You're, you're, you're speaking of you know the success you had there, but man, you guys had a really good season last year. Yeah. We did, we did, we ran into, and that you know. I'm going to go back to 218 again. I had, before the season started, well, actually it wasn't before the season started. It was in the middle of the season. Um, I had a parent come up to me and say, you know, winning the state championship is going to be a foregone conclusion. It's just going to be a matter of how much you guys are going to win it by. And I don't think he, at the time, he had any idea what he was saying because there's so much that goes into that. Yep. It's so much. Uh, and one of those things is luck. I mean, it, you have to be 
lucky. Now, obviously, you have to be good. And we right. had a, we had probably on paper one of the most talented teams Oak Hill has ever had. Mm-hmm. We were huge yep. for a two A team. I mean, we averaged probably six five at a at mm-hmm. a two A basketball. We had all of those things, mm-hmm. but you have to be lucky. Uh, in the regional round, we got lucky from the standpoint that uh, Frankton, uh, gosh, they may have been top five rated in the state that year. Um, we had gone down to their place. It was one versus two, and they beat us. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually won the conference that year. Uh, they got upset by a lapel team that was under 500. Wow. If we, we, were, we were really only about six deep. Uh, we had seven, maybe eight. But that would have really, really been pushing it. Mm-hmm. If we would have had to, have, we ended up playing lapel in the morning game, and we beat them pretty good. We beat them by thirty. Um, but if we'd have had to play Frankton in the morning game and then turn around and played a, another ranked Tipton team, mm-hmm. we probably wouldn't have gotten out of regional. Yep. And that's luck. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that's completely out of your control. Now, come back to this year. That's we're talking about luck. I thought we had a team that on paper could probably win that sectional. We had beaten Peru once already. And even though Norwell pounded us pretty good, they were not playing well coming into the sectional. So we thought we had as good a shot as anybody. Mm-hmm. And the day before Mississippi, or actually the day we were going to go up and watch Mississippi play Peru. So that would have been on, what, Tuesday night? Mm-hmm. Our center comes down on a kid's foot and rolls his ankle and essentially is out for the tournament. And yeah. he was, we were, well, I think we lost six or seven games the year prior, and we had lost two this year, set a school record for the fewest number. He's the reason why. Yep. You know, even though you have a, you know, the school's all-time leading scorer, right. the reason why he was able to get as many shots up one is because he's extremely talented, mm-hmm. but also we had a 6-7 post player that took a lot of pressure off mm-hmm. of him, and now that was gone. Yep. And so, um, you know, it was a really, really good season. It didn't end well, right. but again, uh, there are some things that, May or may not be in your in your control that True. that determine right. you know an outcome of the season. That's why I really again I'm getting on a soapbox. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> no, you're fine. On tangents, I I get really frustrated with the success of a basketball season being brought down to what you do in a basketball tournament at the end of the year. Right. Like you know our team this year was a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, we set all kinds of school records. We won the conference for the second year in a row, the, con- uh, the county for the second year in a row. Just had a really, really good year and got bounced our first game of the sectional. And there will be people who think that the year was a failure because we didn't go farther. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge injustice to the kids that put all that time and effort on the floor. Well, had definitely. just a tremendous regular season. And that's, you know, because I was, I was reading, before you got here, I, I was reading an article about uh, – one of the top 75 prospects in the country is now transferring to Pike High School and playing mm-hmm. for Jeff Teague. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that's pretty prevalent down in the mm-hmm. Indy area and stuff, but surely it's going to we maybe wake it, make its way down, but that would probably be like this kid's in your own county or the surrounding county, but, well, I'm going to go over here and play. We've – I'm not going to – throw out any dirty laundry <laughs> right but we've in the last i'd say probably what is it, two 2023 last seven years or so we've dealt with it mm-hmm. we've had we've had a couple of situations where we've had a coach approach our kid you know one way or the other mm-hmm. um it, it, it is what it is right um i want to tell you fellas there's some other things coming down the pipe that's going to make this much much worse i mm-hmm. My AD is absolutely convinced that we are not far away from NIL at the high school level. I was going to bring that up, too. And so that, (laughs) you know, there are two or three things that kind of keep me up at night Mm -hmm. when I think about, you know, how much longer I want to do that. This is that would be one of them. Mm -hmm. There are many states throughout our union that are doing that exact thing Mm -hmm. right now. And Indiana has held off, but he doesn't. He doesn't foresee us being able to hold off very much longer, and I, I don't know how that will work. I don't right. know what that would even look like at the high school level. Yep. Can't imagine what it would do to your locker room. Oh, my goodness. You know, you, yeah. You have a Beagle or a Swanner or a McClung in yep. your locker room making money from uh-huh. a local whoever, <laughs> yeah, farmer, right. or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't I, I don't like that at all. I, you <laughs> know, we talk about Max Clark uh, – Baseball player, yeah, Yeah. baseball, Mm -hmm. yeah, and he got seven. I think it's seven point seven million dollar contract at at eighteen years old. 
I shouldn't have been allowed to drive. <laughs> Let alone throw $7.7 million at me. I, I don't know if I would have made it to 19. No. I No. I, hopefully but, he's got some good representation uh, around yeah. I, You know, you I would mean, hope. Yeah. That's, but, you know, that if we jump back on where we were talking about fundamentals, share a little bit about how you guys do that down with the younger kids. I'm pretty involved. I don't know if it's – I don't know if my elementary coordinators like it or not, but it is what it is. Yep. Uh, we'll start at second grade. We'll go second and third grade. Um, the second and third grade league, we do a three-on-three. And my philosophy there is – Let's let's have them walk away from the basketball season wanting a whole heck of a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, get enjoyment of that game. Mm-hmm. Let's get a foundation. Um, you know, there aren't many second and third graders that are choosing. Hey, I want to play baseball, and right. baseball is going to be my only sport. They're doing everything. So mm-hmm. let's make basketball fun. Let's make let's put it in there. You know, is in it the front three on three half court. Yeah, okay. three on three half court. Second and third graders have a hard time. <laughs> you know dribbling and not picking that ball up yeah. and running it like a football. So playing full court would be a disaster. Playing five on five is a disaster. Um, the last couple of years I've had my kids actually involved. Our basketball high school kids are their coaches. That's good. Uh, and we keep it really, re- like I said, really, really light. Uh, only just about an hour a week of practice. And they play games on Saturday. Uh, lots of fun games in between there. Um, my uh, fourth and fifth grade, again, is intramural league, and we'll introduce a travel league at the end of that. Um, my sixth grade is fully intramural now. We don't they, – they're separate, completely separate. Mm-hmm. Tristan Hayes is my sixth grade coach, and he'll have an 18-game schedule with schools all the way around, and we have them practice just like everything else. The one caveat to that one is, though, we don't make cuts. Not okay. at the sixth grade level. Right. I'm, okay. not, yep. I'm not making cuts mm-hmm. at the sixth grade level. And so – um, you know, if they come out, they're on the basketball team. Uh, the third and, or the fourth and fifth grade, again, it, everything is – the parents will coach those teams if we have enough people mm-hmm. that want to coach them. Mm-hmm. But my elementary coordinator is coordinating practice, mm-hmm. and we're doing stations all right. the time. Okay. Uh, they'll practice a couple of times a week and play – again, they'll play games against each other before they get into that travel mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, my travel coaches will begin to introduce some of the offense that we want them to run at the junior mm-hmm. high level and even the, what is our base offense at the high school right. level. Mm-hmm. So, um, And then that just carries on into seventh and eighth grade. I'm really, really big with my junior high coaches all the way up through freshman coaches on offensive, the offensive end of the ball, the mm-hmm. fundamentals. Yep. I want kids, like I said before, I think uh, – you know, constant practice and constant work at it is how you make an offensive basketball player. Mm-hmm. I want kids, I tell my coaches, I want kids that can shoot, dribble, and pass the ball. Mm-hmm. I will teach them defense. Yep. Here, here are some things that I want you to do defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, at the seventh and eighth grade level, I want you to teach on ball defense. I want you to teach shell drill, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But the offense is the focus. Let's, yep. let's work on as much as we possibly can on making them better basketball players. Play three-on-three, three, get shots up, uh, do stations, do individual development every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, again, we'll start filtering in what we want them to do defensively because mm-hmm. we don't, at, at the varsity level, the last, I don't know, probably decade or so, we've played almost strictly matchup zone. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of a lot of uh, similarities between man-to-man and the matchup, right. and the, the base has to be at a man-to-man level, and that's what they get at the junior high level. But from the fourth and fifth grade, where we start to really start to focus on uh, the game and getting better at the mm-hmm. game all the way through to probably the freshman level, we want them focusing on offensive skills. That is like a really that. good blueprint for your developmental program. Yep. We're always interested in that. Well, and that's like it's, it. and it's one of those things too. You know, we have a lot of coaches. Almost every year, we'll have somebody call and ask, "What do we do? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you do?" But yeah. from my standpoint, it's always one of those things where I feel like we could get a lot better at it. Mm-hmm. I've had the same element. Brad Schaus has been my elementary coordinator for ten years, and, he, and we both walk away every year thinking, "Man, this is this is not good. This is crap. How can we fix this? Right, How can right. we get better it's... at this?" And so, it, there's no, you know, secret sauce. Um, you just have to have a philosophy of what you want your kids to do and stick with it. There, it is 
by far the most frustrating part of the basketball program. Yep. It's the most time-consuming part of the basketball program, and there is no doubt that if you're going to build and establish a program, it is the most important. Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth grade all the way through to freshman level, if you are going to build something that you want to be sustained mm-hmm. year after year after year, that's it. That's where it's at. So yeah. when you got this three-on-three going for that age group, mm-hmm. How did you get those parents to buy in on that? That's a good question. <laughs> not, you know, I haven't really heard any. You know, we set out rules. Okay. Um, do you I, guys do parent meetings? Well, I don't do a necessarily a parent meeting. Yeah. Um, but what I do, I do have a packet. I give them a packet. I give the parents a packet every year, and it gives the explanation as to why we're doing it. Okay. Uh, what is the reason right. behind it? What's the philosophy behind it? Okay. Uh, you know, and some of the things that we put in there that we hope we get buy-in. Like I said, I, I assume we do. Now, we may have, you know, parents up in the stands that are thinking, well, this is a waste. <laughs> but, again, it's second and third grade. Right. There's not much that you can do aside mm-hmm. from that. We, you get a few that want that stinking trophy. They right. want it. Right. And they'll find their ways on third yeah. and fourth grade travel teams, too. Yeah. Or second and third grade. Yeah. But, you know, at three-on-three, three, almost – it's very hard for not everybody to touch the ball. Everybody's got to touch the ball. Mm-hmm. There's better spacing. I think there's better opportunity to work on all of those skills, the, the shooting, the dribbling, and the passing. Um, but mostly, again, the, the idea is that everybody there will not be a whole lot of exclusion. So mm-hmm. you're not going to, at the second and third grade, eliminate people because they never touch a ball in a five-on-five full-court setting mm-hmm. where it's just – you know, if you're going five-on-five five full court with kids that young, there will be one or two players that dominate right. the floor yep. because they have the ability yep. to dribble, pass, and shoot where not everybody has that same skill level. Mm-hmm. If you back it down to three-on-three three half court, and we use coaches, you know, we use the kids, but then they are also what we'll call outlet passers. You know, if a kid gets stuck, instead of watching okay. beehive basketball mm-hmm. where you've got mm-hmm. six kids yep. around the ball, they can pass to a coach and then, again, spread out. And All they see is just hands poking. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Just That's hands. right. You right. don't even know which hand to right. hand. Right. right. And then out of nowhere, here comes the ball, and there, you yeah. know, there it goes. Yeah. Yeah. So. I like it. Where you got that, your coach is your outlet pass. That's, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's like, you know, when I coach 7th grade boys down here, I tell them every year, I said, yeah, we want to win, but my main job is to get you guys ready for next year so they can get you ready for high school. Like, I think like Conrad will say, we don't, we're not worried about banners hanging up at the junior high. Yeah, I, uh, You want them at the high school. I, I think, I, and, you know, this is my opinion. It, it, it's just mine. Winning is a bonus. Learning the game and playing it right will end up winning later. Yep. If you win at the middle school and below, that's a bonus. Be thankful. Because I feel like eighth grade down, you can win with one or two really good players. But when you get to high school, you can't win with one or two good players. You, you're going to need... A full team effort. Yep. You're going to need those role players. You're going to need somebody who can come off the bench and give you and, and give your whoever they're you know subbing in for some relief for you know 45 seconds and really give you a quality 45 seconds. Yep. Yeah, we give you turnovers. Yeah, we you know I I do think learning how to win is important. I don't think there's any, you know, I will never tell a coach that learning how to win isn't important. Mm-hmm. Um, and trying to keep from building a culture of constant losing because I, mm-hmm. that's how I started. In 2005, I took over a team that was 1 and 20, 1 and 20 or 1 and 21. And, yes, what the most rewarding part of my basketball career was, I'll tell you what the most difficult part was by far, is, there's no doubt, is – getting at that losing mentality out of the culture of the program. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it is important, but, you know, I have a seventh grade opening right now, and I'm telling candidates who are interested in that position, I don't care whether you win 20 games or lose 20 games. Is the group of kids that you have, are they competing? Are they trying to follow the culture that we've lined out for the program? Mm-hmm. And are they getting better? If they're getting better from point A to point B, 
Winning will come eventually, mm-hmm. but that's what I'm looking for. I yep. want better basketball players. Mm-hmm. I want them to learn how to compete, and I want them to learn how to play together. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been fun. <laughs> thank you so much. Yep, because yeah. we appreciate it. Yeah, that's, thank uh, you so much for your time, and we'd love to have you back sometime. I'd love to be back. This has been cool. Ted, let me ask you one last question. Get it, Ted. Get it. <laughs> if you could sit down and just have a conversation with any person, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. You're a history teacher, but you're a basketball coach, so I want to see where this goes. <laughs> That's going to be history. If I could have a conversation with anyone, mm, I'd like to have a, a dinner table conversation with probably Jesus. Mm-hmm. George Washington mm-hmm. and Abraham Lincoln. How about that? That'd be awesome. Yeah, you that's my around, era. That, that's you, my that's, era of education. You, you want a that round is. table with those? Yeah, three? I, don't, I wouldn't have to worry about carrying the conversation, okay. would I? Yeah. And that, you know, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. You mentioned Jesus, and I, and I meant to bring this up earlier, and I forgot. You guys take the basketball team on a mission trip every year, or is it just because you've had did a couple, right? Yeah, it's pretty daunting. And so we don't do it every year. Um, I've been able to do it twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and probably my wife is going to kill me because now that I think about, you know, think about accomplishments, not, not naming those two things, that's ridiculous. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to give her a shout out as well? Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> <laughs> how much of this? No, she had mentioned, are you going to say anything about the missions trip? But, yeah, I mean, I, I actually had a, a person tell me that, of everything that you've done in your basketball career, the thing that's probably the most impactful will be the two missions trips mm-hmm. that you've taken. And we're probably gearing up for another one. Um, yeah, oh gosh, it's been 10 years ago. We were able to take a group of kids to Belize mm-hmm. and uh, put on some basketball clinics down there. We were actually able to play some basketball teams down there. Wow. Um, Kids in Belize know how to play basketball. Really, we got, our, we got yeah, we got handed to us. But <laughs> we were able to do that, and then some some other project work. This last time, which would have been about five or six years ago, we took forty three people. Forty three wow. people. Most of those were high school kids, high school, junior high age kids on a missions trip, uh, loosely associated with Oak Hill, but not really. For right. those people who are thinking, well, how in the world do they do that? It's, <laughs> it wasn't really. They were Oak Hill students, right. but it wasn't sponsored by Oak Hill, mm-hmm. but. We were able to take those 43 people and uh, build houses. We built three houses for wow. three families in the Jamaica area. So, uh, it's like I said, we're gearing up for it again. Probably here in a couple of years, we'll be ready to go. We take one about every five years, and this may end up being my last one. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it's tough because, you know, the end goal is to make sure that nobody has to pay right. uh, to mm-hmm. go and yep. to fundraise and do all the work for it. But, yep. man, the the reward is tremendous. I've, I've never been, I've never experienced anything like that before in my life to see, you know, see the Lord work through those kids' lives mm-hmm. the way that they do on those missions trips, and it's so impactful. Well, they, didn't, they get to see what, hey, we're really blessed. Yes. Look what these people there's no don't doubt. have. There's no doubt. And that's, that's, the, the houses that we, were, we built were probably a half the size of this garage oh right my. here, and, you know, it's a one, it was a one-room shack, and they were so beyond thankful to uh-huh. have it. No air conditioning, no anything yep. in the middle of Jamaica. And what they had and what we put them into, I think, was eye-opening for our kids. Mm-hmm. No, no doubt about it. It's, yep. you know, it's a third-world country. Mm-hmm. You know, people think of sandals and all of those resorts, but there's actually a wall that separates. There's a gated wall that goes up as high as you can see from those sandals wow. uh, resorts, and on the other side is third-world poverty, oh just right there on the other Man. side of the street. And So being able to take the kids and see that kind of a culture, uh, have them build relationships with those kinds mm-hmm. of people and understand that they're not, they're not any different than you, than right. what you go through in your daily life mm-hmm. in Swayze, Indiana. Yep. They just have, you know, real issues. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, that's remarkable, Coach. Again, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Yep, we appreciate it. But before we go, Ted, we want to give our sponsors a shout-out. Rookies, Inc. for all your apparel needs, www.rookiesinc.com, or call Steve Horn at 765-536-2726. Quality work, quick turnaround. Yep. Jennifer Swanner at Nicholson 2.0. She'll sell for you. Yeah, residential or commercial. 
765-661-4821. Mama Pearson, Soporium, have you been there, Coach? I have not. Right there. Take your wife. She'll love it. Okay. They'll, right. they'll welcome you. Yeah. They I mean, will. Even though Pat will I have can, a Miss Cinewall hat yeah, on. Yeah. He, he's, <laughs> I'll wear a red shirt or something. Yeah, by the way, he's the varsity wrestling coach. Okay. <laughs> Backyard builder for all your quality fencing and decking needs, Ted. They've got it down to a science. Call yeah. Eric Skeens at 765-667-5974. Yep. For the jo- best, you got to call the best. Exactly. Jonesy's Lawn Care Residential and Commercial Lawn Services now providing golf cart maintenance. Get a call of, get a hold of Jeremy Jones. I'm going to get a hold of him and see if we can get a bus and he can redo it for us. Okay. I've seen him do that before, too. 765-667-5097. Alt House Auto Body and Towing. You had a crash and your car looks like trash. Call Scott Watson at 765-348-2414. If your car won't go, then you need a tow. Call Scott Watson at 765-499-1534. Thank you, Coach. Thanks, Coach.